Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this, is, this is weird. This is exciting and weird at the same time. We have people in the building. Welcome if you're in the building. And if you're watching online, uh, welcome. Uh, just, just to, uh, just to or just kind of reaffirm uh, what was already been said, this is a live stream, meaning that this uh, service has not been pre-recorded. For those of you who are watching online, uh, it's, it's a live service. And so we have people here in physical attendance, and we also have people attending online. I particularly want to thank those who made this service possible today. We've had a lot of people um, on, uh, in the sound ministry, the trustees, the visual media team. We've had staff put in many, many, many hours to make this service possible. And I just want to thank you guys so much for, for the efforts. Uh, can, can we just give them a, just a hand? I know some guys like, like, uh, like Chris and Sean have been climbing through the rafters and underneath the bellies of the church and places I've never been or never even heard of and just trying to get wires in the right place. <laughs> so thank you guys for doing that. I want to try something new today. I want to interact with those who are watching online right now. And I want you to do me a favor. If you could type in your favorite animal, uh, your name and wherever you're from. And in a moment, when I see this come up on the screen here, just type it into the feed. And in a moment, I'm, I want to interact with you and I want to see what your favorite animal is. Now, while we're waiting for your response online here, uh, I'm just going to just bring us up to speed as to where we are in our series. We are continuing on in our series in John. And John, if you don't know, just as a reminder, or just as a reminder, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And uh, he, he was there when Jesus did all sorts of incredible, miraculous things. He rose people from the dead. He uh, was there when he, uh, Jesus uh, healed a man who was blind from birth. He healed the lame. He did incredible, miraculous things like feeding thousands of people, just a few loaves of bread and fish. He witnesses Jesus' death and resurrection. And the purpose of John writing his gospel was so that people would believe, that people would come to faith in Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, God, the only way to God the Father. And so a few weeks ago, for the last couple of weeks, we've been continuing on in our series, and we've landed in John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, Jesus made some bold and audacious claims about himself to be God. And we had, I, the, the title of those messages was called Faith or Fiction. Do we respond to Jesus with trust and faith? as he wants us to, or do we chalk it up as fiction, as make-believe and fairy tale? Which one was it? Which one is it? Which, which, which one is it for you? And in that context, Jesus was talking to the Jews and the religious leaders, and there was that diversity of opinion as to what people thought of Jesus. And uh, we continued on in John chapter 9, which is actually what Josh covered a few, Pastor Josh co covered a few months ago and did a wonderful job. We didn't do that last week. But in that passage, Jesus, he healed a, blind, a man who had been blind from birth, and they were still, the religious leaders, the Jews, were butting heads over who they thought Jesus truly was. And uh, some decided to put their faith in him, and some decided that he was he's just a raving blasphemous lunatic. And then we get to John chapter 10, which is the passage we're jumping into today. And that's why I asked you what your favorite animal was. Okay, let's see who responded here. Okay, we have the Sutcliffe home. And they said their favorite animal is teddy bears. I love that. That's great. Thank you for uh, responding. We have the Freebs, and they say that their favorite is the giraffe. Uh, Len says, Len says white-tailed deer. Interesting. I never would have thought of that, but that's interesting. Thank you for sharing. The Colic family, Jalen likes the owl. Thanks for sharing, Jalen. Oh, Stefan likes the liger. 
Good answer. A liger is a cross between a tiger and a lion. Um, and Rebecca likes the rabbit. Thanks, Rebecca. And then we have Cindy. Her favorite is cats. Sorry, I don't like Cindy. But you can like... Sorry, I don't like, I don't like cats, not Cindy. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I have a cat. I, I live with him. I deal with him. But whatever. Uh, I appreciate that other people like cats. Uh, Judy likes the giraffe. Grandpa D likes the Labrador, Labrador Retriever. Actually, I have a golden retriever at home, and, and uh, we, we love our dog. Roy and Lorna, dog. I get it. People love their dogs. Wilma likes the hippopotamus. And the, the Nallis family, the hedgehog. Interesting. Uh, my, my kids, they're interested in having hedgehogs. I'm not interested in having a hedgehog myself, but, uh, but they've been asking me, and I keep on saying, no, no more life forms in our house. <laughs> I just want to say something, too. It just, just, just dawned on me. We had some technical difficulties at the beginning of our service, and, uh, just, you know, uh, and, and what had happened, I guess, is we, had, we, were, we were streaming live our rehearsal, and uh, you should just know that whenever there's a rehearsal or a sound check, I often say things that are cheeky and sarcastic. <laughs> and so if you're watching online, I was just joking around. I hope there's nothing I, I said that offended anyone. We're just having fun. Uh, anyone else here? Roy and Lorna like the P Purdue Hedgehog, whatever that is. That's cool. Hey, Kevin Bradley, if not Cheetah, then Warthog or Gazelle. Interesting. Thanks so much for sharing. The reason why I'm asking uh, what, uh, what kind of animals that people like is because we're going to be talking about sheep. Jesus talked about sheep in John chapter 10. And, you know, sheep are animals that need a shepherd. Uh, some people say that sheep are dumb, and they probably are. I'm not a shepherd. I don't really know. But sheep, uh, understandably, need a shepherd. They need someone to follow. Now, the Bible refers to us as sheep. Uh, we need a shepherd. We need someone to follow. And so the, the title of my message today is entitled, Who is Your Shepherd? And the passage we're going to look to today is John chapter 10, verse 1 to 21. And the purpose of this passage, like the purpose of John is, the purpose of John, John wrote his gospel so that we would come to faith and, 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 and trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the only way to God. And that's the reason why he writes every passage in this in the book of John. So we're going to start at verse 1 of John 10. I'm going to interject some other passages of Scripture in here to help us understand what Jesus was saying about himself and some of the claims that he was making. And after that, I'll make some more comments at the end of this passage. So John chapter 10, verse 1. John is an eagle. Sorry? Oh, thanks. Thanks for sharing. A woman cuts her hair, she never was saved. All right, John chapter 10, verse 1, uh, verse 1 and following. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So I want to pause here, and Jesus is referring to a bunch of different characters in the book of John, or, or in this passage. And uh, I want to highlight who is who. So Jesus, he's talking about thieves and robbers multiple times in this passage. And in this context, it means the religious leaders of his day. Uh, he's also referring to a shepherd. And when he refers to the shepherd, he's referring to himself as the shepherd. And, he's, and as he refers to sheep, he's referring to us. Verse 3 says this. Uh, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger's voice. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I want to pause here for a second, and just for fun, I, I jumped onto YouTube, and I watched a video of what appeared to be a class of teenage students going to a sheep farm of some kind. And um, what I assume what happened before this video was recorded, that, that the, the shepherd of the sheep, he challenged the teenagers to go to the edge of the pasture and call the sheep in with a similar call that he uses to call the sheep in. And uh, it was very humorous. One by one, they all took turns calling out to the sheep in the weird call. And it was humorous because the sheep didn't even acknowledge their existence. They kept on chewing the grass and just, just carrying on as if nothing was happening and no one was calling them. They all took their turns, and there was a lot of laughter. And the shepherd of the sheep, the true shepherd of the sheep, he went to the edge of the field, the edge of the fence. He called the sheep, and immediately, within a, within a few moments, the sheep, they kind of bopped their heads up. And they started bowing and responding to the shepherd. And all of a sudden, these sheep start, start trotting along, coming towards the shepherd. And within a, moment, within a few moments, the entire herd of, or the, whole, the entire flock of sheep, I'm running towards the shepherd because they recognize the true shepherd's voice. And that's kind of the picture that comes to mind here as Jesus is talking about that the sheep, they will never follow a stranger's voice because they, they just know who their shepherd truly is. Uh, verse 6, the Pharisees don't know what's going on. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, Jesus makes a really incredible claim here. Jesus said again, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I'll come back to that in a sec. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He says, he says it again, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying a lot of amazing things here, but the thing that catches my attention is that Jesus here, him, he's calling himself the gate. At the gate. What's he saying here? Is he just talking about shepherding, a literal shepherding? No, he's talking about something more. But before we get to that, let me just help us understand here that it's my understanding during Jesus' time that a shepherd would use his body as, as a gate for the sheep, as a, as a gate for the pen. And he would use his body to, to protect the, the sheep from predators coming into the pen, and he also used his body as a gate to keep the sheep in the pen. And so his body was used as, a, as protection, as a gate. Now, is Jesus just talking about literal shepherding, or is there something deeper to what he's saying here? There is something way deeper to what he's saying here. Everything that's recorded in the book of John is for a purpose. And, 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 and Jesus is claiming something special, and his claims make a lot more sense when you understand them in the context of the Old Testament. Did the Old Testament talk about gates in any way? Yes, it did. Uh, Psalm 8, 118, verse 19 and 22 says this. The psalmist is, is saying this. He says, Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. And just, just for bonus, because I couldn't help myself, verse 21 and 22 says, I will, give thanks, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that verse 22 is interesting. I know it's a bit of a rabbit trail, but it couldn't help myself. Jesus, he quotes that verse, verse 22, about himself. And so this psalm, Jesus in his mind saw that this psalm was referring to himself. 
uh, rewind a few verses, the psalmist is saying, open up the gates for me. Basically, the psalmist is saying that in order for me to get into the presence of the Lord, in order to worship the Lord, I have to go through a gate. And, and once I go through this gate, I can get into the presence of the Lord. And so here, Jesus is saying that I am the gate. And so what Jesus is saying here, and it's, it, it makes sense in the context of the entire Gospel of John, he's saying that if you want to get into the presence of God, if you truly want to worship God, you have to go through me. I am the only way to get to God. There are, there, there, there are not multiple roads to get to God. I am the only way. There's only one way in and one way out, and that's through me. A big, audacious, amazing claim that Jesus is making. Let's continue in this passage in John, starting at verse 11, and he makes another claim. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Is he just talking about petting literal sheep? No, he's making another important, bold claim here, which we'll get to in a second. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. All right, so uh, let's, let's talk about what he's claiming here. And again, it makes sense in the context of the Old Testament. It makes more sense if we understand it in the context of the Old Testament. Okay, there is a psalm, a Psalm 23, one of the most popular psalms in the Old Testament. And it starts by saying this, the Lord is my shepherd. And depending on your translation, it might say, I, I, I shall not want, or I have everything I need. But the Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. Another passage in the Psalms says uh, this, Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture the flock under his care. Interesting how the psalmist is using this shepherding analogy to refer to God as the shepherd God and we the sheep of his pasture. And so what's going on here? Uh, God is described in the Old Testament as a shepherd. And here Jesus is coming on the scene. He's calling himself a shepherd. And so it's another way that Jesus is subtly or not so subtly claiming to be God. Amazing. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, Ezekiel 34, there's a really interesting passage which I came across. Uh, Ezekiel was a prophet of the Lord. I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. You can read it for yourself if you like on your own later. But this passage starts with God reprimanding what he calls the shepherds of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel, because they weren't doing their job properly. They were living out their, uh, their leadership um, responsibilities with selfishness, and they weren't caring for the flock of Israel as they should have been. And it's interesting, in Jesus' ministry in Matthew 23, he also reprimands the religious leaders in a very similar way for not doing what they were supposed to do as, as leaders of Israel. Very similar flavor. But anyways, the passage continues, Ezekiel 34, verse 22 and following, it says this, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. And then it says this, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so the prophet Ezekiel is saying that the servant David is going to be the shepherd. Now, is the prophet really talking about King David? No, he's not talking about King David, because Ezekiel, the prophet, lived hundreds of years after David uh, had lived. And so what, what's happening here, the prophet Ezekiel is, is speaking about the coming Messiah, 
who was to come from the line of David, and he would be called the true shepherd of Israel. And interestingly, Jesus does come through the line of David, and by, and by claiming the things that, that, that Jesus, with, with him claiming the things that he's claiming to be the good shepherd, he's, he's, he's saying that he is the Messiah, he is the, the shepherd that the prophet Ezekiel was speaking about in Ezekiel 34, which is absolutely amazing. And just to put a bow on it, if you read this passage to the very end, Ezekiel 34, it ends with uh, this passage referencing the Psalms, which speak of the Lord being our shepherd and we being the sheep of his pasture. Absolutely amazing. Amazing stuff. Well, it continues on here. Uh, in verse 14, Jesus says it again. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, not only, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring to, of course, the, the previous passage where Jesus had given sight to a blind man who had been born from birth. In other words, they're saying, if Jesus could do all these miracles, maybe we should actually believe in him. While others were still saying, this guy is a raving, blasphemous lunatic. We can't follow him. So, uh, let, let's talk about this passage a little more, and I want to come back to the different types of uh, characters in this story or parable or metaphor, whatever you want to call it, and I want to come back to Jesus. Let's come back to what Jesus said about himself. He made a lot of incredible claims about himself, but the two notable claims that stick out to me was that he said that Jesus, Jesus said that he was the gate and that he was the good shepherd, and so in essence, what Jesus is saying here is that he's, he's saying again that he is God, that he is Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is the only way to God. And like I said before, there are not multiple ways to God. God. Jesus is saying here that he is the only way. He's the only way to get to God. So he's making some incredible claims here. And one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, can he be trusted? Can he be trusted with these claims? Now, for John, it seems very important for John in almost every passage he writes, maybe not every passage, but it, 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 it seems very consistent for John that he's always giving us reason to, to trust Jesus. And um, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, there's, there's a few reasons, there's a few ways that we can trust Jesus and his claims. Number one, and this, this passage highlights that we can trust Jesus because of the miracles that he performs. Jesus had just in the previous passage, healed a, blind, a man who had been blind from birth, amongst all the other miracles that, he's, that, that were recorded in the Gospels. But he also claimed that a previous passage in John chapter 8, which we covered, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, he said that he was sinless. He wasn't just a man who was powerful enough to perform miracles, but he was sinless. And he challenged people. He said, he says, man, if, if you can find fault in me, let me know. Point it out. And no one could. No one through his entire life could point at any sin in his life. So he, was a, he, was a, he made, made bolidacious claims about himself, first of all, which, by the way, I'm not sure if anyone else, anyone else in all of history have made the claims about himself as Jesus did. He followed up with miracles. He lived a sinless, perfect life. What else? 
This passage says, I believe, at three different points that Jesus, he laid down his he lays down his life for the sheep. John wanted to make it very clear that Jesus isn't a selfish shepherd. I say that three times fast. That's a tongue twister. He's not a selfish, <laughs> selfish shepherd. <laughs> but he gives his life. He lays down his life for the sheep. And another really interesting thing to ponder is that Jesus did not lay his life down as a helpless victim. He was not a helpless victim when he died on the cross. He had full authority and full power, if he really wanted to, 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 to save his life, to not be crucified. He, was, he had full power, he had full control, yet he voluntarily, purposely chose of his, of his own choice to lay down his life for you. And he didn't stay dead, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, and he truly conquered sin and, and grave and, uh, and death. Can Jesus be trusted as the good shepherd? Absolutely. He can absolutely be trusted. In fact, I don't know of anyone else in my life, I don't know anyone else <laughs> that we can trust more in life than Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is amazing. And we just sang about him. We, we praised him today as we should. And, and the good shepherd, he sustains us. He nourishes us. He protects us. He guides us. He leads us. He sacrifices for us. He he gives us life, and he gives it to the full. He is the good shepherd, and he's the only one that can give us life and give it to the full. The other people I want to talk about just for a moment are the thieves and the robbers. And in Jesus' mind, the thieves and the robbers that appeared in this passage were the religious leaders of his day. I should clarify that they were not the patriarchs in the Old Testament or the prophets who, who were truly looking forward to the Messiah's coming. But here we have the, the one true Messiah whom the Bible was, the Old Testament was predicting, and now the one true Messiah sent from God is standing before the religious leaders, and they don't recognize who he is. And so a thief and a robber is, is someone who, who just basically rejects Jesus and his teaching. And I think ultimately today is, is someone who, a thief and a robber is, is someone who is ultimately rejecting Jesus and what he taught. They were anti-Jesus. Uh, there are lots of fake shepherds in our world, and a fake shepherd is one whose message will lead to destruction. Just to give an example of uh, what I mean by that, you know, I think there are sometimes there are religious leaders who claim that if you follow God, uh, you, can, you can be rich beyond all imagination, and uh, you'll never have any suffering come your way. God only wants good things to come your way, and only blessings to come your way in every regard. But that's not consistent with what Jesus taught. Jesus, if, if anything, he promised that suffering would come our way, that we would go through difficult times, but at the same time, so that we don't have to worry, we don't have to stress about it, because he says, he says take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so, uh, in that sense, you can have even a religious person teaching you something false that isn't true. In a similar way, it might not even be a religious person who's saying that. Someone might say, hey, man, if, if you follow the American dream and pursue riches and wealth and power, uh, then you'll be happy and you'll be fulfilled. But you'll find when you pursue those things, you get to the top of the ladder, so to speak, and you'll find yourself wanting more and feeling empty. It's not consistent with what Jesus taught. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a form of false teaching that ends in, ultimately ends in destruction. Not that there's anything wrong with making money and doing well in life. The sheep. The sheep are another part of this story. And who are the sheep? Well, the sheep are us. The Bible says, well, through the prophet Isaiah, he says, we're all like sheep. And actually, we've all gone astray. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. 
We've all dropped the ball. We've all made mistakes. And, and praise God that God doesn't uh, let his sheep just wander aimlessly. No, that the good shepherd, he came to earth. He died for us. He laid down his life for us. And he calls us into the fold. He forgave us. He found us. And he, he brought us back into the flock of God. And we praise God for that. You know, this, this passage is amazing, and there's a couple of really meaningful verses in this passage for me, and one of those verses is verse 14, where Jesus says, the sheep know me, and I know the sheep. And verse 5, it talks about how, the, you know, when the sheep know me, they're not going to run away following a stranger, that they're not going to be deceived, which is incredibly comforting for me, because I'm not perfect, I don't have it all together, and I need a shepherd that is protecting me and guiding me. And so it's crucial that we stay close to Jesus if he's our shepherd, that we stay close to Jesus so we don't have to worry about being deceived. You know, uh, I'm told that um, those who study, or those who study how to detect counterfeit money, I'm told what they do to, to, to learn or, or be aware of what's uh, counterfeit money is that they spend a lot of time studying what the real money actually looks like. The real cash. And the more you know what the real cash, the, the, the true real cash looks like, the more quickly you'll be able to spot deception. And so in a similar way, uh, how much time are you spending studying uh, being in communion with Jesus? Uh, if, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're not going to be deceived. If you're keeping your eyes on the good shepherd, you're not going to be deceived with fake shepherds. And so if that's true, that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and know him well, um, how much time are you spending in prayer with him? Are you communing with Jesus, the good shepherd, on a regular basis? Are you studying his word? Are you allowing his word to speak to you and change your heart and change your mind? Are you fellowshipping in some, I know this is difficult in, this, in COVID, but are you fellowshipping some way with believers? And if you can't physically come to the building for whatever reason, are you, are you calling people up? Are you, are, you, are you connecting with other believers in some meaningful way so that you're allowing them to stretch you in your walk with God and allowing you and, and, and inspiring you to keep your eyes on Jesus, the good shepherd. You know, I have a uh, wife who has an aunt who lives on a farm, and uh, she has sheep, and she says one of the reasons she likes sheep is because they're dumb. <laughs> they can be easily managed. And you know, the other side of the coin is this, you know, uh, on one hand, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, but on the other hand, I'm so thankful. Like, uh, like I, I am a dumb sheep, uh, and I need help, and uh, I, I can't live my life as if my relationship with Jesus depends on me. I'm so thankful that I have a shepherd that moments where I've had moments in my life where I've lacked faith or I've lacked knowledge or wisdom or willpower, that I've had a good shepherd that has guided me so much in my life. Sometimes sheep like myself go astray. You do dumb things. You make mistakes. But the shepherd gently calls you back and figures out a way to, to get you back into the fold and to get you back into safety. Praise God that we serve a God that is gracious and good and looking out for us when we are blundering <laughs> along the way of life. I look back in my life, I think of ways where I didn't have enough faith and yet God provided. And I feel like a dumb, I literally feel like a dumb sheep so many times in my life. And yet God has been so good to me and so gracious to me. Praise God that we serve a good shepherd. There's another group of people that Jesus references in this passage and, it's, uh, and he says he, he refers to them as other sheep. And other sheep might be referred to those who haven't believed in Jesus yet. And maybe there's someone here attending physically today or attending online, and maybe you're one of those other sheep. 
And maybe you're attending because you're just curious about what it means to follow Jesus as the good shepherd. And, um, it, and, and maybe you're wondering if you should be following him. And I'll ask you, I want to ask you this question. Is Jesus, the good shepherd, calling you into the fold today? Is he calling you into the flock? Uh, and it's so important that we decide whether we're going to trust him or not. And I want to remind you that he is trustworthy. I, I promise you there is no one in this world that is more trustworthy than Jesus. There, there is no one. So what's at stake here? Why put our faith in him? Why trust Jesus? Well, the reality is the Bible describes us all as sheep, and I truly believe that that's true in that sense, that we all need a shepherd. We all need to follow someone. So I come back to the question of the day. Who is your shepherd? Who are you following? If we're going to follow someone, who is it going to be? If not Jesus, it's going to be someone else. Is your shepherd the, the, the pop stars, the poets, the philosophers, the professors of our day? Who are they? You know, as maybe as well and good as as good and as well intentioned as they may be, at the end of the day, those people are asking questions that only Jesus can answer. Who is your shepherd? Is is your shepherd the uh, the, the politicians, the prime ministers, the presidents, or the princes of our day? Those we look to for leadership. Are we looking to our world leaders as our ultimate shepherds? Well, you're going to find they they are not perfect and they don't have all the answers. And they're not as strong as you think they are compared to Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can truly lead us to where we need to go, as good and wonderful as our political leaders are, and as much as we appreciate them. Who is your shepherd? Is your shepherd the, uh, the, the prophets, the priests, the popes, or the preachers of our day? Uh, those who claim wonderful and incredible promises, uh, make incredible religious claims in your life? Well, and as good as wonderful and well-intentioned as some of our religious leaders are, at the end of the day, the only promises and claims that we can follow are the promises that our good shepherd makes. If these people aren't ultimately pointing us to Jesus, we can't trust them. We shouldn't be following them. And so who is your shepherd? And that question is important. It's a matter of life and death. Not just physical life and death, but eternal life and death. Eternity is in the balance depending on how you answer that question. If, if someone else is your shepherd, this is not my opinion. Jesus says your life is going to end in destruction. That's not Ryan talking. That is not me talking. That is Jesus talking. But if your shepherd is Jesus, Jesus says, I give, it, I give life and I give it to the full. In fact, he's the only one that can give life and give it to the full. So who is your shepherd? If there is someone out there, maybe you're, you consider yourself as part of the other sheep. I want to invite you to, to listen to the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd calling you here today. And if you feel that, joy, that Jesus is calling you into the flock, calling you into his flock, you need to respond to him in faith. And if you want to do that, it's, you can simply respond in faith by saying, Jesus, I've messed up, I've fallen astray, I've run away from you, and I'm so sorry, I need your forgiveness. Number two, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the grave. And number three, you want to commit to living a life that honors him. But you don't do that in your strength because you're a dumb sheep. You can't do that in your own strength. You do that in his strength and in his power. And you ask him to help you. And if that's you, if you're watching online or maybe you're someone attending today, I want to encourage you to give us, send us a message. And I'm sure there's so many people here who would be glad to talk through that, um, that possibility with you of coming into the fold. Who is your shepherd? 
I want to close by giving us a heads up as to what we're going to be talking about next week. And you know, there's a lot of categories of life in which uh, the Lord, um, he teaches us in and guides us in. And you know, one of the areas that I kind of hinted at a week or two ago was the area of sexuality and attraction and gender and marriage stuff. And, you know, I, I'm concerned because Jesus, he taught us a certain way in these, in these areas. And I see our world is aggressively teaching a very contrary message to what Jesus taught. And um, that concerns me. And not only for our world, but, I, but it's concerning for me because I see that creeping into the church a little bit. Or a lot, actually. <laughs> and uh, we, need to, we need to be guided by the shepherd and what he's taught about these things. And really in all categories of life. But I want to talk about this next week. I want to give you a heads up because now one of the reasons I'm giving you a heads up because typically in the past when we talk about these issues, our knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, our kids shouldn't be here for that service. And now I'm thinking the opposite. And here's why. Our world is aggressively teaching our children at a very young age a contrary message to what the Good Shepherd has taught in this area of sexuality, and it's concerning. And so, parents, you have the option whether your kids are going to come or not. I understand that uh, many will not want their kids to be there because it's awkward and maybe you don't want to talk about it. But I'm, I'm thinking that the church should be the safest place where we should be able to talk about these things. And so it's up to you, parents, what you want to do with that. If it is awkward, you can follow it up with them afterwards. But I, I think it's important that we relay a basic understanding of what Jesus teaches in this area of sexuality and intimacy and, and so on. And... Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's up to you what you want to do with your children. But just want to give you a heads up, whether you have kids or not, that's, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Or at least that's the plan, unless the Lord leads me otherwise. Let me just close in a word of prayer this morning and invite the worst team to come back, back up. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that you are not just a shepherd, an indifferent shepherd, but you are a good shepherd the good shepherd. Uh, you were sinless. You performed miracles. You made amazing claims about yourselves, you, about yourself. You laid down your life voluntarily, purposely for us, and you rose it up again. Wow. Praise you, Lord. We thank you that you've called us into the flock. We are all like dumb sheep. We've all gone astray, and you called us into the flock, and we thank you and we praise you for that. And we thank you for the ways that you protect us and guide us in ways that we don't even know or realize and in ways that we won't even know until we meet you in eternity. We pray for those who are maybe considering joining the fold and uh, are listening and, and wondering if they're hearing your voice. And we pray, Lord, that they would respond to your voice, and that they would come to faith in you, and they would join the flock. And, that, and I pray that you would protect them, as I know you will, um, for those who want to make that decision. Help them make that decision. Uh, take that step of faith and um, be courageous in that decision. Again, Lord, we thank you that you are a good shepherd and that you're full of grace and that you're way better to, than us than we deserve. Thank you, Lord. Amen.